This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me, Dustin Gold, right here on the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, we just took a look at Microsoft's patent 060606, right? On the uh, crypto token dancing monkey system or whatever it is they want us to do for them. But now we are jumping into something else that I have mentioned throughout the first 25 episodes of the Dustin Gold Standard. And so I need to show you where my information comes from, even though I just brush over this stuff while we're in the depth of even bigger investigative stories that we've been covering. But right here, folks, this is on science.org.org. That makes it real. No, folks, this is... um, DNA, the ultimate hard drive, a new system archives digital data by encoding it as DNA on chips. Those are not Doritos, folks. Those are like uh, computer chips. I don't think they're putting them on the uh, kettle cooked lays. But uh, here it goes, folks. When it comes to storing information, hard drives don't hold a candle to DNA. Our genetic code packs billions of gigabytes into a single gram. A mere milligram of the molecule could encode the complete text of every book in the Library of Congress and have plenty of room to spare. Did you hear that? Let me repeat that for you, folks. A mere milligram of the molecule could encode the complete text of every book in the Library of Congress and have plenty of room to spare. All of this has been mostly theoretical until now. Yes, until now. And a new study researchers stored an entire genetics textbook in less than a picogram of DNA, one trillionth of a gram, an advance that could revolutionize our ability to save data. Folks, question for you. Question for you. When you're swabbing your brain with a foot-long Q-tip, when you're giving your blood to the driveway, <laughs> driveway, drive-by nurses in the parking lots of Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS, or your local government health facility or a high school parking lot, when you're giving your DNA away to Ancestry.com or whatever and me what the heck was that company that uh some google connected person partially owned 23 and me 23 and me 
Where's your DNA going, folks? Is it being used as a hard drive? Is it being used to develop biochemical weapons? I don't know. I really don't. I've never jumped into an envelope with your DNA, your blood sample, and followed it to where it went. But it makes me wonder sometimes, doesn't it? Now they want your DNA so they can store the Library of Congress on it. Well, what do you think happens to all of the data those billions and billions and billions upon billions, maybe trillions of packets of data that are uploaded to the internet, to the cloud every single day from individuals, from businesses, everything that happens on social media. It needs to be stored somewhere, doesn't it? And you know how much you can store on your computer. Some of you have a little server at home, server in your office. You see how large those are. Well, imagine how many they have to have to store all of the data that's ever been uploaded to the internet since the beginning of the internet. It makes you wonder where they store it all. I don't know. I also sometimes wonder where all the meat comes from. But we'll get into that later. This article continues to say a few teams have tried to write data into the genomes of living cells. Oh, really? DARPA's working on that technology, too, where they can literally put a Q-tip up into your head, touch your brain, wiggle it around, and upload a program onto your brain, just like the Matrix, as they explain it, where they upload Kung Fu into your head. Elon Musk has said that about you learning another language in the future. They'll just upload that language to you as a program. So, folks, it says a few teams have tried to write data into the genomes of living cells, but the approach has a couple of disadvantages. First, cells die. Not a good way to lose your term paper. Ha, 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 they're funny. They also replicate introducing new mutations over time that can change the data. But don't worry, they've got this figured out, folks. To get around these problems, a team led by George Church, a synthetic biologist at Harvard Medical School in Boston. He must be named after the church that Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and the rest of these guys go to. Especially the one Thiel goes to. That Christian church that he says is very similar to transhumanism, despite a few metaphysical differences. It says uh, a synthetic biologist at Harvard Medical School in Boston. Church created a DNA information archiving system that uses no cells at all. Instead, an inkjet printer embeds short fragments of chemically synthesized DNA onto the surface of a tiny glass chip. To encode a digital file, researchers divide it into tiny blocks of data and convert these data not into the ones and zeros of typical digital storage media, but rather into DNA's four-letter alphabet of A, C, G, and T. Each DNA fragment also contains a digital barcode that records its location in the original file. Reading the data requires a DNA sequencer and a computer to reassemble all of the fragments in order and convert them back into digital format. The computer also corrects for errors. Each block of data is replicated thousands of times so that many 
uh, so that any chance glitch can be identified and fixed by comparing it to the other copies. Again, they have to scan it all back in through the computer. I've told you this is the silver lining that their entire system, all this Frankenstein technology, is a paper tiger because it all relies on the Internet. It all relies on technology. Now, I'm not going to go deep, deep, deep into this because I'm just going to show you the next part. And we're going to eventually do a show on this okay so our dna is very valuable to them actually right here is pretty cool because this is only 30 minutes for me uh this is where my wife lived when i met her uh don't replace your flash drive with genetic material just yet however the cost of the dna sequencer and other instruments currently makes this impractical for general use says daniel gibson a synthetic biologist at the j craig venter institute in rockville maryland uh 30 minutes from me but the field is moving fast and the technology will soon be cheaper faster and smaller well who else would be talking about this other than our friends at microsoft that i just brought up to you with their patent 060606 0606060666 right here on microsoft's website this is DNA storage. This is a page on their site which was established, it says, in January 2015. And it goes on to say, the amount of digital data produced has long been outpacing the amount of storage available. Did I not just say that to you? Where does all the data go? Where are they storing it? Up in this cloud. It's not really in the cloud. The cloud is just servers somewhere with hard drives somewhere that then are connected to the internet that might go up through satellite and then transfer through the sky and then back down to some other computer. This project enables molecular level data storage into DNA molecules by leveraging biotechnology advances in synthesizing, manipulating, and sequencing DNA to develop archival storage. Microsoft and University of Washington, also one of the places where the deepfake technology I shared with you came out of, uh, researchers are collaborating to use DNA as a high-density, durable, and easy-to-manipulate storage medium. Demand for data storage is growing exponentially, but the capacity, and why is that happening? As I told you, there's probably trillions of data packets uploaded and downloaded every single day. But the capacity of existing storage media is not keeping up. Most of the world's data today is stored on magnetic and optical media. Despite improvements in optical disks, storing a zettabyte of data would still take many millions of units and use significant physical space. If we are to preserve the world's data, we need to seek significant advances in storage density and durability. And what did Yuval Noah Harari tell you? Data is more important than property. Property used to be the most valuable asset in the world, but now it is data. And those who control the data will be the gods of the new era. So now they want to store that data they took from you on your own DNA, printed onto glass slides it says using dna to archive data is an attractive possibility because it is extremely dense up to about one x uh exabyte per cubic millimeter and durable half-life of over 500 years and let's just say we'll finish this one 
While this is not practical yet due to the current state of DNA synthesis and sequencing, these technologies are improving quite rapidly with advances in the biotech industry. Given the impending limits of silicon technology, end of Moore's law, we went over Moore's law before, we believe hybrid silicon and biomechanical uh, sorry, biochemical systems are worth serious consideration. Biotechnology has benefited tremendously from progress in silicon technology developed by the computer industry. Now is the time for computer architects to consider incorporating biomolecules as an integral part of computer design. Folks, 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 folks. So, there we go. Using human DNA as storage devices for their big data. Using humans to generate battery power. Having humans dance at the end of a string in exchange for cryptocurrency. Right? You've got NetDragon appointing the first virtual CEO. And you've got robot bees that these guys are going to fly around to surveil you. And what do we have next, folks? Next, something else I've mentioned before, coming out of the 2016 book by Klaus Schwab, the Grand Wizard of the World Economic Forum, the World Economic Forum, and author of the 2016 book, The Force Industrial Revolution, talks about in his book, 3d printed me of which i've mentioned to you so when we get back from this break i have to take a break folks because my 3d printer is super busy making me a nice dry aged ribeye steak and so i'm gonna eat that over the break and when we come back i'll tell you how it tastes ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and you're listening to pain.tv slash gold come and join us over there folks join a community of like-minded people i'll be right back you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Mmm, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing quite like 3D printed meat. Nothing beats it. Other than... uh, Everything except 3D printed meat, folks. That was disgusting. All right, folks. Let's get into this right now. I'm going to show you this uh, 3D printed meat. And guess who's invested in this 3D printed meat is none other than our friend Peter Thiel, okay? Peter Thiel is invested in 3D printed meat. Now, Let me just explain this to you briefly here. What's going on, folks? So right now, there's basically like three types of technology, at least as far as how I understand it based on the research that I have done. And I haven't gone into depth on this, but I have scratched the surface. So what you're seeing now um, in grocery stores, Impossible Burger, the um what's it beyond meat burger beyond burger these are plant-based garbage junk 
If you look at them in the grocery store shelf, there's about 639 ingredients inside these things, and God only knows what's in them. I'm sure there's no one who has actually gone through all the ingredients. So that you have what they call plant-based. And so you say to yourself, well, what is that? Is it just like... um, a veggie burger like we ground up a bunch of mushrooms and smash it together and make a burger out of it well some are similar to that but others are more complex they're actually doing stuff within a lab and somehow and i don't i don't even understand it yet because i haven't gone into depth yet but they're doing something in a lab with this stuff and so my recommendation is don't eat it. Don't go to Burger King. Don't eat this stuff. You think you're being healthy because you're not eating meat. And you're eating something called plant-based. Then it has a cute package that says you're saving the world from cow farts or whatever it may be. But don't eat this garbage. If you want clean meats, go to a local farmer, talk to some local butchers, um, try to buy the meat as clean and as free of the USDA as possible. And so don't eat this crap, this Beyond Burger, this Impossible Burger. And I guess they're never going to be sponsors on this show. Oh, well, it's garbage. Nonsense garbage would probably kill you. Okay, so you have that stuff. Then... You, you actually have some called Soy Boy, which is like a, a name for a guy who eats a lot of soy and he's real skinny and has breasts uh, and rolled up pants and skinny little legs. So you have a soy. They actually have a brand of this fake bacon and stuff called Soy Boy. So they're literally laughing in your face while you're eating this nonsense. So you have that. Then you have what is called lab-grown meat. And from the research I have done, what they're doing, and I'm going to do a whole show on this. There's actually a uh, farmer down in Texas I'm trying to get a hold of. I found a good article, an interview with him. But basically what they're doing is they've taken stem cells. And when I say they, I mean these mad scientists, psychopaths. They've taken stem cells, and now they are growing burgers and growing other cuts of meat in a lab using stem cells. And the way that I've seen it so far is it looks like Congress hasn't touched it much. And so I can't find any laws or regulations. And as it appears, they consider this stuff to be real meat, not like the plant-based impossible burger so technically technically they can't package an impossible burger and then on the package it says like this is ground beef or a ground beef burger they're not supposed to well with the lab grown meat i don't know technically we could walk into the grocery store and you're buying a some kind of a boston butt roast or ground beef or ground lamb, or ground bison, or whatever, and it could be lab-grown. I'm not sure. Now, I will do this in the other show, but I've done the math and gotten the statistics on how many head of cattle we kill every day in the United States supposedly to eat. The numbers don't add up, because if we do kill that many, which I do believe we do, I don't know where they all are. I've driven all across America. I've seen a lot of cattle farm. I don't see the number of cattle that we supposedly kill every day and then regenerating all the time. So for all I know, there could be lab-grown meat on the shelves now. 
I'm not saying there is, but I'm saying it's a possibility. And there were articles going back a couple years ago saying it was going to hit store shelves in the United States in 2022. It is on the store shelves in other countries already. There's some EU countries that have it. And so uh, it's something we're going to look into on this show. But I, this, this is going to be a special show that I have to put together correctly. I want to make sure we have all our facts straight. So you have the Impossible Burger. You have the lab-grown meat. And now you have what Klaus Schwab has talked about and what Peter Thiel is backing. This goes back to August 17th, 2012, folks. So for all I know, this is already being done. And this is already on store shelves. Okay, this article is on CNBC, again, from 2012. And I'm bringing this up. Uh, one, it ties the deal. But two, I mentioned it on the show. In this show, I'm just kind of showing you all the technologies that are out there, what these guys are doing, that the prison planet matrix is real. It says here, Peter Thiel backs startup making 3D printed meat. Breakout Labs, eccentric billionaire Peter Thiel's biotech foundation, announced an eyebrow-raising investment in a startup that makes 3D-printed meat. And then in parentheses, yes, really, because this is back in 2012. It's unheard of. Modern Meadow, based in Columbia, Missouri, will receive the $350,000 grant to continue developing new meat and leather production technologies. The company engineers tissues to create leather and edible meat in a process that eliminates many of the negative environment effects associated with the traditional livestock practices, according to a report by CNET. Now, folks, I mean, I might find some stuff out from this farmer because he sits on... Uh, the board of a number of cattle farmer associations. And he spoke out against this stuff many times throughout the years. So we'll see what happens. But quote, modern meadow, uh, meadow is combining regenerative medicine with 3D printing to imagine an economic and compassionate solution to the global problem, end quote. Said Lindy Fishburne, executive director of Breakout Labs, said in a statement to the press, Breakout Labs is Theo. The biotech startup uses bioprinting technology that has, quote, been applied to build three-dimensional tissues and organ structures of specific architecture and functionality for purposes of regenerative medicine, end quote, according to a summary of the company's work submitted to the Department of Agriculture. In layman's terms, folks, the technology uses animal stem cells to create what could be an environmentally friendly alternative to traditional meat, okay? This is why I told you they consider this meat. So the 3D printed meat and some of the new technology they have is a little different than the lab-grown meat. It's different than the Impossible Burger Beyond Burger, okay? That's why I said there's kind of three different things going on at once. The additional two grants were awarded to Bell Biosystems and Entopus. So anyway, that's just a brief overview here. And while we're talking about it, because Teal's invested in it, let's just show you what a hypocritical piece of uh, trash he is. As I pointed out at the beginning of the show, he is a walking, 
walking contradiction. He's a total hypocrite, folks. Right here on this profile of him, it says, Theo prefers to eat a clean, healthy diet. He focuses on fruit for breakfast and follows a paleo-style diet during the day. He is strictly against sugar, stating that he never consumes it within any of the foods in his diet. But yet, it's a clean diet, folks. Although he wants to shove 3D printed meat down your children's throats. And as we get deeper into the 3D uh, 3D printed meat and the lab grown meat, we will investigate Theo's current involvement uh, and how far along these companies have gotten. You will see that. Like I said, it's going to be a really good in-depth show with hopefully some interviews. So it's taking me a little bit to put that together. Now. I want to show you this article because, again, this has come up. Ray Kurzweil, as we reviewed for the first three episodes. Excuse me, I was getting a drink of water. Um, I needed to hydrate my pipes, folks. And so, Peter Thiel. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to get a little further into Peter Thiel in a second. But Ray Kurzweil, who we brought up in the first three shows, and I've talked about throughout all 25 episodes, talked about a technology in which nanobots would be injected into the bloodstream to repair his body to stop his natural biology from taking place and his body from breaking down and decomposing to the point in which he could upload his mind to the cloud and then beam it down into a new body, biological or non-biological. Okay, you got that. I've said it a hundred times. And then I have brought up several times that how do we know that the jabs, which we now know at least at best don't work, I know I've heard from many of you, like everyone you know that's jabbed is getting COVID and they're sick, so they don't work. What if, what if, what if people were used as sort of human guinea pigs, as human trials to put nanobots into the bloodstream? Maybe I'm not saying that happened. I'm saying that we were called conspiracy theorists going back to 2020 when we were warning people not to take the vaccine when it came out. And they would put Bill Gates out there and others go, man, nanobots, they're not real. Nanobots aren't real. This is sci-fi. This is the matrix. People are conspiracy theorists. Well, no, it's not true at all. It's not true at all. And so, again, let's show it through their words. This is interestingengineering.com. And you can find this stuff on every mainstream website. The same people who called you a conspiracy theorist for bringing it up. Right here it says, nanobots will be uh, flowing through your body by 2030. In 10 years, nanobots in your blood might keep you from getting sick or even transmit your thoughts to a wireless cloud. This is uh, written by Trevor English, November 2020, uh, I'm sorry, November 20th, 2020. And it says right here, according to some futurists, in the next 10 or so years, your blood could be streaming with tiny nanorobots to help keep you from getting sick or even transmit your thoughts to a wireless cloud. That's Ray Kurzweil, okay? They will travel inside of you on a molecular level, protecting your biological system and ensuring that you'll have a good and long life. The future is closer than you may think. Folks, that is what... Ray Kurzweil said, all right? So 
I don't know anybody who knew of Ray Kurzweil, not many people, going back to the beginning of COVID, who were talking about this called conspiracy theorist quacks that these guys could upload, you know, nanobots into your body through the jab. And yet Kurzweil's never called a conspiracy theorist quack. He's called a prophet. He's called a futurist. He's called a genius. He's called an award-winning inventor. He's called the chief the chief what, folks? He is called the chief engineer at Google. Folks, this guy has got accolades a mile high, and he was never called a conspiracy theorist. When I come back, we're going to finish up this conspiracy theory called nanobots, which is not a conspiracy theory at all ladies and gentlemen i'm dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard and while i'm on break let your body break down into a bunch of nano robotic bumblebees flying around and when we get back you better swarm back together and listen to this show right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 